be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Alright, the intro's over. Time's up. Hey, Carl. Uh, sorry, Luke. We don't have a, no don't headphones have a headphone. for you. Um, we looked and looked for the last 30 <laughs> seconds <laughs> frantically. Looked, we dedicated ourselves wholeheartedly for the last 10 seconds to try to f- locate a headphone jack, and we couldn't. So, uh, welcome, it, uh, Carl. Congratulations. If you're working on something that seems trivial and unimportant, then uh, we salute you. Yeah. That's half of Keep it's more than half. plotting it's plotting i was thinking about that driving home i drove home from michigan today and it was like a four and a half hour drive it's closer to five hours if you take the amount of time that i spent in the roundabouts in mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and stopping to go to the restroom in michigan i didn't have to stop to go to the restroom but you must not have drank your coffee but the roundabouts were like they are in carmel where there it's like one roundabout connected to another roundabout connected to another roundabout and trying to figure out just how to turn left is there's there's pressure of not only figuring out where the turn is, but then there's also other traffic that that some of them kind of know where they're going. And do they? They lose patience. Or with are you. they yeah. just really good at faking confidence? Well, it's anxiety. It's anxiety. And I was thinking about how you know for for a one hour show, one hour on stage, it was a grand total of like nine hours in the car. Yeah, and so most of that is is unremarkable, and that's what that a lot of people don't know that a lot of people don't realize that you know my glamorous job up on stage is mostly mostly driving. It's well, it's mostly like your job, whatever whatever uninteresting thing you do with most of your time. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I so just, I spent my time last Thursday taking my kids to the Children's Museum in Indianapolis. And that was driving to get there. And How many roundabouts back. did you have to go through? Zero roundabouts. But See, when I parked was easier for in you. the parking garage, I parked. It didn't occur to me why this parking spot was still available when everyone else was driving past it. It was because I was at the cross section where the roof people would come down from the top and the people from your level would be coming around from the left. Right. So, like, I'm right there at that T, you know? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's even scarier than a roundabout. I was, I am not, ja- I'm not joking. This is not an exaggeration. I was the second to last person to leave the parking garage when it closed. Why? Because I was waiting for everyone. There was just cars everywhere. Because everybody was exiting the, the parking lot at the same time. time. Yeah. While allowing other people to back up and get in line. Well, that's where the story is coming in. So, um, there's, a, there's more to this. There's more story. So okay. I was sitting there. I decided to just give my kids dinner in the car because it looked like it was going to be crazy. We stayed. What did you closing. have in the car that you could feed them for dinner? I packed sandwiches. Oh, okay. I packed sandwiches and carrots and stuff. So I was, and then we turned on David Pendleton's DVD because we have a, a video player in our DVD player. Shout out to David Pendleton. And so they listened to, uh, I had a rooster, no eggs. No, no, no I, I had a chicken, no eggs. Would she lay? Yeah. Had a chicken. Yeah. 
So they listened to the whole special. No eggs would she lay. But at one point. One day this rooster. I, at one point I get out of the van to just kind of assess the surroundings, right? To see if it was as bad as I thought. And it was. And there it was. There was just people everywhere <laughs> Was it worse than out. you thought? She pulled out a telescope. And yeah. <laughs> there, was, there were two lines. People spreading out picnic baskets. There were two lines that blankets. were literally coming together behind my bumper. Like two of the lines from the roof and then from behind us. Right, with were no real traffic Right behind us. And then, this is what, this is what reminded me. Then, while we're standing there and everybody's fairly, you know, congenial to each other, but obviously it's taking forever. Then, all of a sudden, this red car tries to, like, back out of his spot. Mm -hmm. And he's up a little further up on the roof. Tries to back out. And the line is right there. Right. So, so he's like. He doesn't have room to back out of his space because there's a line of cars behind him. No, but he also, like, everybody had already backed out from both the left and the right of him. So, the spaces were empty next to him. So, he starts backing up and then doing, like, this 50-point turn. To try to come out front ways? To try to drive forward out of his parking space? Try to go forward instead of backwards. Why? Yes, because then, once he got himself free, and it took him a good 10 minutes just to, like, he kept backing up and getting and as close as he forward. could, and then people would honk at him, and then he'd go forward, and then he'd go backward. He eventually gets <laughs> he himself... He eventually turned himself around. Yes, he's facing the correct direction, but he's in the parking spaces, right? right? So he's like perpendicular to where he should be in the parking space. Right. And then he just starts driving down the parking garage in the spaces instead of in the lane Oh, leave. instead of in the exit so, lane. So he was like parallel... To the line of yes. cars trying to exit. Everybody's honking at him because he's cutting the line. And, yeah, he's going to so get in front he, of all of those cars. So he lays on his horn, too. <laughs> That's amazing. Everybody else is honking, so That's then he amazing. lays on his horn, and it's honk, 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 honk. So he starts honking back at them? Yes. Like, don't you dare honk at me yes. because... They and have then, to let him in eventually because there's one single exit. I don't know where he finally got in because, like, again, I was the second to last person to leave. The, the important building, thing is that he beat you out of he the definitely did. garage. He in, did. In his defense and yours. You have and, to get closer to the microphone. You, you can't and, defend both of them. And those who are terrible at roundabouts, none of that was covered in driver's ed. They That's don't teach true. you how to navigate a parking garage. <laughs> they don't garage. teach you to wait your they, turn in driver's ed. I got zero training. <laughs> They don't teach you on roundabouts. Execute rude, they don't obnoxious teach you how parking to not lot maneuvers. Flip off the in, people Indiana who are... just decided to drop a million of them in like a few years after I. Yeah. You know they don't teach you how to navigate while kids are throwing balls up to the front seat. That's true. <laughs> That's like, true. What, what is what is the training That's worth? True. You should open a driving school, Luke. Yeah, realistic driving. Simulator. Realistic yeah. driving. <laughs> driving uh, <laughs> techniques that you would yeah. teach them how to. How to uh, pay attention to the road while yeah. David Pendleton's DVD is blaring <laughs> yeah. through the By the van. time we left the parking garage, it was almost over. I had to put in another DVD for the rest of the ride home. By the home. time you left, a chicken had laid her eggs. Yeah, and... yeah, because it was that long. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't about to just pull into the parking spaces <laughs> next to me and drive that way. Why not? You had somebody model that behavior, and it worked out. It did. I mean, if you can tolerate having a few angry people honk at you, that's a small price it to pay funny. for getting out 30 you minutes earlier. You could hear the honking going down the, <laughs> down the garage. You could hear, honk, honk, honk. It kept getting quieter and quieter. It's as a you melody got of shame. And Tav, what's funny, too, is Tavi and Marla were, all, were both there, too, and but we didn't park next to each other. So I told them the story the next day, and they were like, we heard the honking. We were wondering what was going on. Yeah. I would be... I, I would like to have been down at the exit to see which car actually let him go in front of them because that would be the person 
that needs to be honked but at as well. He would have. He would have like hit somebody. The person who rewarded them uh, would rewarded Jesus him for doing Would Jesus have that. let them cut back in? Would Jesus have let him cut back in? Hmm. 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 I'm not going to ask Peaches because she doesn't want to well, answer questions. Well, obviously, Jesus wouldn't have gone to the Children's Museum in the first place because they have a dinosaur exhibit that says we're millions of years old. <laughs> so, well, somebody right. shared a meme. There's the answer. Meme, I think yesterday that had a picture of Jesus, you know, watching President Trump's feet and washing Biden's feet and washing all of these people's feet, mm-hmm. you know, on both sides of the division. watching everybody's feet. Yeah, and then it, it made me think: Would Jesus would let this criminal person back in the line? Mm. Mm-mm-mm. There you go. This is why the podcast engine needs to come on more often so that we can have I get to thought, the hard truths here. Thought provoking questions like yeah. that launched in. You know, yeah. we're not God's even ten minutes in. Enough for even Mister Fifty Point Turn guy. I would so, say I would say that if Jesus was anywhere in his life, he would have said. Dude, don't make this fifty point turn and do this. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. I, I think the past. Yeah, I think Jesus would have stopped him from from being that from even getting to the front of the line in the first place to begin with, right? Because because the first shall be last, and last shall be first, right? And so that guy is destined when he goes to heaven to be the last dude out of the parking spaces, and there's going to be a lot more cars in heaven than there are here on earth. Oh yeah, are there? Yeah. I'm reading I'm reading <laughs> Lee Strobel's sure. Case for Heaven right now, so I'll let you know if they cover How that many topic. Ca- yeah, let me know when you get to the chapter about automobiles on yeah. the streets of gold. How many cars? They're yeah. they're covering things like, you know, does reincarnation exist as a plausible theory? But I'm sure they'll get around to the number of cars in guaranteed, heaven eventually. Guaranteed they're electric cars in heaven. Yeah. Guaranteed. So anyway, it's been ten minutes. <laughs> There's a lot of sunlight. <laughs> All right, so what are you going to do now? You're going to try to steer the conversation into something meaningful? It's been 10 minutes. just had a conversation about how uh, Mandy doesn't want to answer any questions. Right. This is why I'm going to pose the topic and let the two of you answer everything for everybody for all time. You're going to contribute nothing after that? You're going to pontificate. So two weeks ago, we had a conversation about... That was very convicting for you, and we actually yes. Had in fact, I still a bunch of people write in to make sure you were okay. Make sure I'm okay, which was very nice. Thank you, Carl. Right, to, to catch me, was this the Bible verse comment one? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm the calling. one about where somebody shared scripture with him, and he almost and I got all f- bent out of shape. He, he almost committed murder in his heart. <laughs> somebody shared just scripture. That was it. They just sent me scripture. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> My favorite was that he kept saying things like, which would ordinarily be fine, but, and then he like wouldn't finish the sentence. He was I like, know. But. I was so, and she hit me with it. She's like, why would you assume the worst when somebody shares scripture? And I'm like, I, I. <laughs> because there are times where people are being passive aggressive. So that's yes. a thing that does happen. But. Yeah, but, but there's no reason to assume that. Yeah, and but you so, don't know. Yeah, unless I, they I, tell I'm you. still reeling from that, by the way. It's still, it still smarts a little bit, even talking about it now. Well, but. I read some stuff. I've read a lot of things these last few months, but I read something just a couple of weeks ago um, that really convicted me. It's probably going to convict you, too. Shoot. But I feel like we owe Carl. I feel like I know. want you to be convicted and me not. Well, that's going to be hard because we've done this podcast together for so long. I know, but I want you to be the one who's dealing with some sort of uh, gigantic theological well, uh, yeah. fallacy. This is, and this I is can the go, abolition yeah, well, of Well, you man. need to pray about that. 
and God will forgive you, so don't take it too hard. I want to be in that position. I don't want to be down there with you. If you want to pretend like for you haven't, if you want to pretend like this one doesn't affect you, you can. Okay. I'll, try, I'll but, try to help with that. When I'm on, I'll I'll remember all of the mistakes that she has made, and then we can go through them. That would be great. Okay. Okay. Good, good. I'm glad we all have a plan. We had, we know what our goals are. <laughs> all right, proceed. So um, we've talked a lot about emotionalism, and we almost always say that it's a bad thing. Yes. I think we always say Almost always. Emotionalism right. is a bad thing. I think that's true because I have been accused of of not having emotions and also not uh, not liking emotions. My own mother has accused me of that. She goes, I know you don't like emotions. I know you don't think there's any use for having emotions. My own mom, who gave birth to me. Right. Um, so I've been reading The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis, and it takes in the very first paragraph a chunk from an actual British textbook at the time. I doubt they're still using this particular textbook. But he said he was going to criticize it, um, and he didn't even give the name of the actual textbook or the authors. He gives them pseudonyms because he was like, it's not about, you know, it's not about the authors, and it's not about this particular That's textbook. That's what we say. It's the criticism it's about of the, the idea. idea. Yeah. Right. Who cares who, what the person's name is who so said this? He calls the textbook the Green Book, and he calls the um, authors Gaius and Titius. Titius? <laughs> they're, they're Latin names. Gaius, maybe. It may be Gaius, which probably will make you smirk even more. It's not about the authors, but let me throw out some really distracting names. <laughs> I think those are significant. But I don't know Let's enough about Latin. <laughs> Carl, if you know why C.S. Lewis named them that, if there's some significance there, you can maybe fill us in because we're it's ignorant. It's not about them. Um, but yeah, he basically, it was just an English textbook, and they were just talking about how to write clearly and well. And then the authors ended up using, as an example, I don't even remember exactly, but it was something along the lines of, this paragraph represents bad writing because... It's just emotionalism. It's pure emotion, and emotions are subjective. Right. That's what it says. And we were like, huzzah! Well, that was the Green Book that said that, and C.S. Lewis took up offense at that. He had a problem with the suggestion that basically all of us are just, that there is no objective truth. Like, there is no way to objectively critique writing. And to give an example of what would be a beautiful, you know, paragraph on emotion or a beautiful, objectively good. Because that would also be subjective. That Well, what he's saying is that emotions are not subjective. That actually God gives us our emotions and that we should be, when we educate children, we shouldn't. We shouldn't suggest to them that there's this reason over here with a capital R that's purely logical, purely reasonable, and... Um, and true and true and rock solid well and and um divorced from god like that's that is grounded in basically nothing because their their version of reason and logic the, the liberals version of reason and logic they then undermine by saying it's actually really just your subjective feelings right right so, well that's what they do with that's what they do with everything right the the people who are the God deniers, they divorce uh, science from God as well. Like science exists over right. here and is the explanation for all reality. Correct. And it has nothing to do with... Same thing. With a creator. Same thing. And so he goes on to say what the problem is with suggesting that things that are actually objective when we ground them in God are subjective when we ground them in materialism. Um, he's He explains what the problem with that is. And then he says this, I have hitherto been assuming that such teachers as Gaius and Titius do not fully realize what they are doing and do not intend the far-reaching consequences it will actually have. 
There is, of course, another possibility. Um, what I have called, presuming on their concurrence in a certain traditional system of values, the trousered ape and the urban blockhead may be precisely the kind of man they really wish to produce. So they may be intentionally trying to create these schoolboys who grow up into, you know, useless blockheads or apes. Trousered ape is a but fantastic What moniker. he says is um, they really may be holding on that they really may hold the idea that the ordinary human feelings about the past or animals or large waterfalls or whatever are contrary to reason and contemptible and ought to be eradicated. They really may think that. They may be intending to make a clean sweep of traditional values and start with a whole new set. That position will be discussed later. If it is the position which these two are holding, I must for the moment content myself with pointing out that it is a philosophical and not a literary position. In filling their book with it, they have been unjust to the parent or headmaster who buys it and who's got the work of amateur philosophers where he expected the work of a professional grammar, uh, grammarian. Um, Ooh. Yeah, so he's saying they really may be trying to eradicate emotionalism and that may be what they're aiming to do. But C.S. Lewis thinks that that's a bad thing. To eliminate emotionalism. Yes, and that's the part where... Where you're like, wait a minute, who are you, C.S. Lewis? Who even are you? Clive, wait a minute, you're going too fast, back up. Um, I would never call him Clive. I lost it, though. Okay, 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 okay. Um, I think, let's see, no, that's not it either. Go on, go on without me. (laughs) What do you want us to do? I don't know, It, it makes me think of all of the beautiful art and paintings and sculptures and cathedrals and all that stuff that was built and it just screams emotionalism right to me you know what i mean it's not like they drew it out on a blueprint as what would be most efficient right what would be most logical most reasonable yeah yep. it's like there right. is there is pain and feelings in a right. lot of this stuff he brings up um sonnets and things at, um music like classical music that i am not even familiar with or classical poetry too He's like, this would be an example of something you should give to your school children to learn about the beauty of language, the objective, emotionally stirring language of some of these poets that's actually a good thing. And I would call it, in some cases, I might call it propaganda. But again, C.S. Lewis disagrees. I found it, by the way. Good. Um, It says, (laughs) oh no, it's such small print. (laughs) Where is it? You can uh, make the print bigger, can't you? Is that a if it's a PDF file, you can just stretch it. Uh, I don't understand. Look at me showing her <laughs> how to use oh, technology. Okay. Um, they see this is what I think. I think that uh, the authors may have honestly misunderstood the pressing educational need of the moment. This is it. This is going to hit you between the eyes, right. Dad. Sorry, All right. sorry about it in advance. So the pressing <laughs> educational need of the moment. They see the world around them is swayed by emotional propaganda. They've learned from tradition that youth is sentimental, and therefore they conclude the best thing they can do is to fortify the minds of young people against emotion. My own experience as a teacher tells an opposite tale. For every one pupil who needs to be guarded from a weak excess of sensibility, there are three who need to be awakened from the slumber of cold vulgarity. The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. The right defense against false sentiments is to inculcate just sentiments. 
By starving the sensibility completely of our pupils, we only make them easier prey to the propagandist when he comes, for famished nature will be avenged, and a hard heart is no infallible protection against a soft head. Ouch! Take that, Titius. Ouch! No, take that, me. Like, that that was really shocking to me as somebody who has a very emotional set of kids. You know, they're young and they're very very emotional and passionate. We talk about it all the time. Right. And my thought is, you know, we need to basically get that out of them. You know, we need to, we need to guard them against this emotionalism. And what Lewis is saying is, no, you can't cut it out. You can only supplement it with what is good and righteous sentiment. You can't take out the emotionalism. You can only put them on the path to just and God honoring emotion basically mm. are you going to disagree with c.s lewis mm. i see it as if you've got children and they're a plant they're a you know this plant that's growing up mm-hmm. instead of chopping off the branches that sort of want to go all over the place because you know the more emotional ones you just you put a grounding rod in and then they follow that up. You need to direct their mm-hmm. emotions for righteous reasons. Because if you just instead cut- of just allowing them to go and Right. And he's not he's not advocating for allowing it to just grow up wherever it wants, but he he is suggesting that if you try to like cut the head off that plant, for example, you're only gonna kill it. Or what he actually says is when you try to just take the emotionalism out of things, you make them easier targets for the propagandist. Because, because why? Because if, uh, a hard heart. famished nature will be avenged and a hard heart is not an infallible protection against a soft, a soft head. head. So we're noticing the soft heads all around us in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. And we're constantly lamenting how people just use their emotions to you know, drive them, which is not right. They shouldn't do that. But... A hard heart is not a protection against a soft head. Right. Well, I think that I had to process it a little bit. I don't think I disagree. Um, I think that that the the tendency is to go uh, is to think. Well, yeah, the emotionalism is a problem. People need to people need to eliminate emotions, and that's the thing that I've actually been accused of advocating. Mm-hmm. That's that's what people say that I want. Um, but I don't want it because I don't think it's even possible. I don't know. I don't think you can eradicate emotions. Right. Um, but we we do have a responsibility, I think. Individuals have a responsibility to, uh, to use Luke's analogy, to, uh, to put down that rod that's going to guide those emotions in a productive way. And so, yeah, the easy thing to do would be to... Uh, if, have you seen the movie Equilibrium? Yes. Have we? I have. Hmm. It, I don't it, it is Matrix esque, but more with swords and stuff. Yeah, it's it's dystopian. Yeah, you know, um, society. They but have to take these pills every day to right. to be the most effective and efficient person in society that they can be. But well, it suppresses emotion. Right. That's that's why they take it. They they have an injection, a daily injection, and they all carry around this little pistol then they shoot themselves in the neck with this drug that prevents them from having emotions 
Because emotion... I've read the book, I think. Emotion is a thing that is bad for society. And the the reason that there's war, the reason that the the last great war took place is because people were driven by emotion. And so art is illegal, literature is illegal, any, any sort of emotional expression. There's a gray filter over most of the film. It's like a... Yeah, it's, it's all it, it's all illegal, and so that uh, it doesn't work. That the reason the, the whole movie is is basically that 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 doesn't work. There's the the one of the clerics, you know, quits taking his medication and uh, finds a puppy. You know, and once you once you introduce a puppy, <laughs> once you find a puppy, it's all over. You know, once you introduce a puppy to you know to a person, it, it's game over. You're going to have some emotions, and uh, you know uh, some of the some of the cops show up and are going to try to take his puppy away from him, and it does not end well not for those people. That. Yeah, he will not give up the puppy. Right, and uh, that's that's us. You know. Yeah. So. Well, it was it was convicting for me. A few weeks ago, my son Colin, who's eight, said to me, sometimes he comes out of the blue with thoughts that he has. And what he said was, Mom, I still really like video games, and I think that's bad. To like them? He said that, yeah. yeah. I really like video games, and I think that's bad. And I said, well, why do you think it's bad? And he I, said... I knew she would ask that question. He said, well... <laughs> I knew that I don't, He goes, good. I don't want to be obsessed with them. I don't want to think about them all the time. And I don't want to be addicted. That's what he says, the word uh-huh. addiction. And, I mean, obviously he's getting this from me. I'm the one who said to right. him, my gosh, you guys have been playing... Put the screens away. You guys are addicted. Put the screens away. It's not, it's not good for you to spend this much time obsessing over the screens. We need to do something else with our brains for a while. Like, all of that stuff... And so he's got guilt now on top of everything else just for enjoying a thing. Right. And so I actually apologized to him and I said, I'm sorry that I was giving you the idea that the things that you like to do are always bad because it is good that we have things in, the li- in our lives that we enjoy and it's good that we, we have things we like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, are we doing them for the right reasons? Are we doing them in the right times? So is that the issue? Is, is what C.S. Lewis is talking about that there there is a downplaying of emotions and eliminate an attempt to eliminate emotions mm-hmm. is that really the issue in our culture yeah I, I was just thinking i would rather apologize for that than have to apologize for not doing anything to curb the addiction that he does have right you know what i mean i had never considered before that i'd rather overhammer you know be careful with this because you are near addiction already right versus having to right but but to but i have said with my mouth before that god created emotion and then he wants us to you know he gave us things to enjoy good things to enjoy but i don't know that i had ever really applied it philosophically to who are the people who are trying to eliminate the emotions here who are the people who are so radically against you know the idea of who, who love the idea that science with a capital S is going to save us, and they love the idea that our reason is just so right. powerful. It's not the Christians; it's the progressive, it's the um, secular humanist, you know, um, liberals. Well, doesn't the addiction, doesn't the thing that we are addicted to, have everything to do with whether we consider that addiction a good thing or a bad thing? Because you think about the people who are. Um, Poets or musicians, musicians who 
who are constantly writing music and constantly playing their instruments and constantly practicing their craft right. are addicted. Yes, and I think... And we go, that is a great thing. Look no, at the, we don't. Look at that dedication. That that, yeah, we no, do. No, yeah, I, do. I don't think that it has to do with what you're addicted to. I think it has to do with why. I think it has to do with who... Like, because they... C.S. Lewis brings it up, um, and they were talking about this on the King's Hall podcast, too, recently... Um, they they were saying that f- throughout history, the great the great sonnets that were written, the great music that was created, composed, the great paintings that were painted, the sculptures that were sculpted, mm-hmm. were done by Christian people who were trying to glorify God. Not all of them, obviously, but most of them were at least theists who were trying to make their craft an act of worship. And if what you're doing is an act of worship, then it is then it's glorifying then it is then it is a good thing then it's no longer an addiction i think it's like an idol you know the difference between an idol and um something that you're doing for god is just that are you doing it for god or are you doing it for for flesh or for some false god that isn't the true god well but it's this is where it starts to get complicated for me because if the flesh what do you mean by the flesh is it a thing that is stimulating to your emotions? Is that what the flesh is? Maybe after we become redeemed, then God reorients our emotions the way that we have been trusting him to orient our minds toward him as well. Redeems right. our minds. Well, and if that's true, then then we can... Actually, I've heard tell that the Hebrew we can word... we trust our addictions. Is the that Hebrew what's... word for heart and mind are actually the same, that they're translated this translated... Heart and mind both. I so, don't know enough to challenge you on that. That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to... And here she is giving answers to things. Remember yeah, when she yeah. said she didn't want to give any answers? And um, It's stuff that, that has been, like, uh, inconvenient for me in the past because I would rather just not talk about emotions. I would rather just logic my way through. Yeah, I'd rather just ignore them altogether, just completely ignore them. Well, and actually, when, that's what's funny is C.S. Lewis actually said, I think the reason that they've done it is because it's easier. It's easier to tell a kid to just stop being emotional than to try to give them objectively good and beautiful examples of emotional poetry or emotional songs or emotional... Like, it's easier to just avoid it and say... Oh, stop feeling things. Think instead. Mm-hmm. You know, get stop using your heart and just use your head. Use mm-hmm. your mind. It's easier when you're writing a textbook to give that as an example to your school children rather than to try to help your school children understand, yeah, how to please God with their sonnets or with their poetry. Or with their video games. Or with their video games. Can you play video games to the glory of God? It's easier to just say no and turn off the television. <laughs> right, so that's what I'm asking. Can you... Can you play video games to the glory of God? Can you be obsessed with golf to the glory of God? I feel like I'm. I feel like I shouldn't have sprung this on the two of you because you both are looking thoughtfully out the window and <laughs> trying to come up with your trying response. to argue with you. I'm not not me with Clive. You're trying to argue with Clive. I'm trying to argue with Clive. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't think I am arguing with him. I I agree that there is that eradicating emotions is never going to happen. But we have to be, as, as you said, we have to give them over to God. And now the pragmatic side of me is trying to figure out, you know, what that looks like. Right. Because if you're going to say, if we're going to give some credence to emotions, which I think we should, 
now I'm, How I'm much? And if my well if my emotions are are a thing that I use to worship then the things that make me the things that make me happy you know and the things that that cause me to be filled with some sort of emotion are are of God, right. but uh, but I know that I'm immediately going to be able to come up with a couple of things that that I want to do. Like you know, people want to take drugs. People want to people want to consume copious amounts of alcohol, right? Because it well, makes them feel covered. good and it makes them happy. That's covered in the scriptures, right? You know, shall not be drunk with much wine. Oh, so. shall not be drunk. That covers wine, but what about bourbon? No. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Pretty sure we've got alcohol about, covered. Okay. But, well then, and the same when you, if you're going to be like, well, what about going to a prostitute? Well, we've got some pretty clear, you know, commandments against that's that true. too. So, so we've got, we can take sex and alcohol off so, of the list of so things that, that we maybe are God, completely at liberty to use. Do you think maybe God didn't see it coming when, uh, it didn't, video games? Yeah, didn't see the technology I coming. I don't think he knew that Call of Duty was going to be as popular as it is. <laughs> and as addictive I, and bad for us. I think Call of Duty uh, took God by surprise. Yeah. Yep. And I do think that there probably are some some gray areas in there too where as Colin grows up, he's going to have to be honest with himself about which things are causing him to think unrighteous thoughts versus which things are actually ushering him into, mm-hmm. you know, the throne room of God. I don't know that I'm going to be able to answer his questions for him well, in that regard. I think that there are being being a person who actually grew up in an era when video games were in their intimacy you know they were their infancy not their (laughs) not their intimacy there were were some video games i am glad i missed that era but i didn't play those i'm very glad that i was not there during that infancy uh You know, video games were, were like a pong. fascination. So, so you we we are in a place now in culture where there's old guys like me who like video games, which that didn't happen when I was a kid playing video games. Right, they were toys. When I was a, when I was a kid playing video games, the adults in my life were like, "You're wasting your time. Why are you doing this? This right. is a, because the, the the video games had not completely permeated the culture as a thing. Now it, it, they're bigger than movies." Right. You know, they're, they're they've video got games. Le- legitimate actors in them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, they're they're ubiquitous to culture. They are part of culture now. Right. And so there are there are grown up people like Colin has has a has grandparents who like to play video games because I was playing them when I was his age. Right. And so I have um, spent your your younger brother Andrew. Uh, and I played like I had to tell you his name, like you wouldn't remember who it was. Like your younger brother. Which one was that? I actually it's have Andrew. two younger brothers, but go oh, on. Oh, that's true. That's true. You're the firstborn. I I like how I had to tell you that, like you didn't. <laughs> I, forgot, know. I forgot the order of my children's birth. Um, but Andrew and I played Borderlands um, one summer together, and it it was some of the best time uh, that we've spent together. You know, fathers and sons go hunting, they go fishing, they go and play basketball. Andrew and I played Borderlands, and it was... I have a lot of warm memories about and doing just that. Just before we started this podcast, we were listening to my four-year-old in the living room. I'm not sure what he was doing with his hands. He, he was. He had some little toys up he on the toys. chair, and they were 
doing yeah. something. And he was just humming away, just yeah. humming a song that was, to quote him, stuck in his head. It was stuck in his head. And he was—he had no idea anyone was listening, just, just singing along with the song in his heart. And what makes him playing with action figures singing a little jolly song more righteous than Colin jumping up and down with excitement, you know, playing a... Playing, playing Star Park Wars or something right. or Star Wars on the screen. Right. And I would say there's a time and a place for both. You know, if I told Silas to go get his shoes on and he was sitting there playing with dinosaurs and, and singing a song instead, that would be disobedient. That would not be good. Right. And it has nothing to do with video games or electronics. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with the actual activity that they're diverting themselves with. But a little diversion now and then is actually a good thing. It's good for the soul. And it's good for me to see and hear my children enjoying themselves right you know and and squeezing the best out of life so that c.s lewis quote was something that gave me pause because i'm like what are you doing c.s lewis so we, we're supposed to be on the same page here about how emotions are bad they're bad all the time and we have to squash anything that we enjoy right and when our children well you have to be suspicious when of our it. children come to say that i really like playing video games it's like well that's probably yourself pragmatically like oh wait a minute is this actually good for me or is it probably sinful because i'm probably liking it a little too much what emotions are we or have we said are bad because we wouldn't argue that that you know happiness and laughter and all that are are bad in any regard right so are there specific emotions that we've labeled as you know I feel like Red I probably flags. should have started at the very beginning with the quote from the actual textbook. With I don't know how much more of that. For the content. C.S. <laughs> Lewis, I can. Okay. My brain's already Luke broken. Luke is not asking for more information. Here's the example. This is actually from the textbook. What they said in the textbook was, when a man said, this is sublime, he appeared to be making a remark about the waterfall. The waterfall is sublime. But actually, he was not making a remark about the waterfall. He was just making a remark about his own feelings. What he was saying was, really, I have feelings associated in my mind with the word sublime, or shortly, I have sublime feelings about this waterfall. Here are a good many deep questions settled in a pretty summary fashion. Oh, sorry, that was C.S. Lewis saying, here are a good many deep questions settled in a pretty summary fashion. Yeah, that's cleared it up for me. also add this. This confusion is continually present in language as we use it. We appear to be saying something very important about something else, but we're actually only saying something about our own feelings. You have said that many times. Yeah, so that's what C.S. Lewis is criticizing. He sounds like somebody who tries to separate sex from pleasure. (laughs) C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis? No, the, the... that textbook guy. Oh, the textbook oh, guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gaius and Titius. Like, he's like, it is done. And then he rolls over. And... <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when you when you decide to subtract emotion from done. everything. It's like, it's a waterfall. It's we magnificent. We have completed. Well, but what, but what he's saying is that it's not objectively sublime. And that's what C.S. Lewis goes on to explain. Like, when we try to... When the textbook explain, guy says that. When, yes. When we try to like neatly divide emotion and logic that way, then yeah, you're, all, of your, all of your statements are going to come across cold like that. Right. And it implies, though he's not sure if they did it on purpose, it implies that all of your feelings are untrustworthy and that there is no objective standard for all of these things. There's no way to ground your observations. He said it used to be that we could agree some things really are ugly and some things really are beautiful. 
other things really are evil and some things really are good and noble. And so he goes on to talk about like the various um, moral like laws that have existed across cultures. They've transcended, you know, time and location. Yeah, I don't think that that is, again, I don't think that that is where the culture is necessarily today. I mean, at least not the noisy parts of culture. They're the, the godless parts of culture is all about uh, deconstructing basically right. everything and saying... Right, that's what this is doing. It's deconstructing even language so that when you say something like, you know, that food was delicious, all you're really saying is, I feel delicious thoughts when I eat this food. Right, but the, but we have a culture now that is saying that however you feel, your that is truth I, I and reality and so the there's a reality. emphasis I think on that's the next emotions step. right but i think that that's the next step it's because there is no objective morality because there is no such thing as an objectively beautiful or sublime waterfall now it's just up to you how do you feel when you look at the waterfall well you may feel sublime feelings when you look at the waterfall i look at it and i feel depressed I so we're both right because I've been waterboarded before. There you go. Right. But it's about your experience because there is no such thing as an objective experience but, that transcends humanity. So it's up to you. You tell me what you think about the waterfall and whatever you think is right. But the culture is telling me that the most marginalized people are the ones whose feelings need to be elevated above my own. I am a person who has been privileged, therefore my emotions are irrelevant. The person uh. who is marginalized, the person who feels like he is a woman needs to be able to swim on the women's swim right. team because he is uh, he has been marginalized. He's been victimized. He's been put down right. and but abused. But the reason that they're saying all so of this... So his emotions matter more than mine. Right, right. But the reason that they're saying all this is because you cannot point to an objective reason why they shouldn't. That's, that's where it all comes from. It originated in the 1940s or before when Lewis was, was noticing that this was being put in textbooks in Britain, that mm -hmm. you cannot say for sure, outside of your own experience, whether this nature this picturesque natural scene in front of you is beautiful or ugly you can't make that claim and if you're writing about it in your composition if you're going to write a st short story about a waterfall you know your characters might make claims like this is beautiful or this is terrifying or whatever and none of it is actually good writing because there isn't even really anything there isn't such thing is basically right. what they're like, saying what about what about the painting Okay, I get the waterfall and the mountains. What yeah. about the painting of the dogs playing poker? Right. Beautiful? They're saying that the what there say is you, no Luke? such thing as beautiful. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful, too. All you're really Some saying is... Some of the dogs have cigars in their little paws. All you're saying is I have beautiful feelings when I look at it. That's it what makes me saying. happy. I'm yeah. jealous. And you're allowed to do that. It like, makes me happy to see dogs playing poker. The culture does not tell you you're not allowed to have your feelings. Yeah, they're just saying that like they're not going to make the laws based on your feelings. They're saying that you... Right, but that's what I'm saying, that there are certain people in our society who their feelings get elevated above... We don't act like their feelings are... Uh, are 
What's, what's the, the word? We, we, don't, we don't act like they're like, like they're subjective. not objective, right? right. No, the, we do their, though. Their opinion, their emotions matter. The, right. the the restroom that they want to use matters. No, no. The pronouns that's that we the, use that matter. That is not the justification they're using. They are not saying their feelings matter and their pronouns matter. Well, then why are we paying attention because to them? Your feelings don't matter. That's how it's framed. <laughs> okay. That's how it's framed. That's what I just said. No, My feelings are less same. important than that's theirs. That's not the same thing. No, no, no. It's not that their feelings are less important. They're saying you have no let. You have no ground to stand on. You have no way to say that they shouldn't dress up in f- women's clothes. You have no ground to even say that it is a woman's clothing. That right. It's not male clothing. You know. You have no ground to say that that the swim team should only be made up of biological. Males, because really, what do you even mean when you say there are biological males? What, what does that even by, mean? By, 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 it's all deconstruction. It's not building up a religion of its own, or at least that's not what they're intending to do. I think it's at this just point, just tearing it apart. We should just be grateful that they're still doing their business in the bathroom, because I mean, you could deconstruct it further and be like, "Why are you making me go to the bathroom you to can. do this business?" You definitely can, because yeah. the question would be: Can you imagine I, diving into a pool where nobody cares about using the <laughs> toilet anymore? The question would be: like, This who coat are rack you, is doing just fine. What do you mean when you say things like "this pool is disgusting"? Like, what you're really you saying say is, that. "I just have disgusting feelings when I, I look feelings, at this." I look. Right. I feel disgusted looking at the pool, surrounded by pool. excrement. <laughs> right. Yes. Now you're getting it. It's not an argument from what you should do. It's an argument from what Christians and historic Christian philosophy can't do. And I put can't in air quotes. They're saying that you can't, because of what's been been taught to children from as young as like fifth or sixth grade. Right. I get it, but don't. It's but that same. It also applies to what they're saying, doesn't it? C.S. Lewis does get around to saying... Kind of sawing the branch you're sitting on? He does get around to say you have to actually actively replace all of the assumptions in society from the ground up, but you're going to have a really hard time doing that because the natural law exists um, apart from us. Like, it's like gravity. And he says, you know, you're you're going to just... You're really ending up just sawing at the branch you're sitting on. You have to deny... Yeah. All of reality, right, including your own perceptions of it. Correct. Because, well, that's what they're doing. They're denying their own perceptions of reality when they reframe language the way that they did. Yeah, but they, but they're not, but they're not being honest about that because they're insisting that we use the pronouns that they prefer, which is putting their is relativism where, I, I above think, my relativism. I think, I think that Christians and Christendom are charged with maintaining reality maintaining truth because outside of of god all of these secular cultures all that they can do is deconstruct right and so there are there are christians who say that's how it is we should just allow it to continue to do that and we will suffer yeah as we should but i i'm really starting to align more with the the builder yep mentality the yep. even the conquest mentality of like we are in charge of building and maintaining and if they want to come over to reality with us Great, we've got this built here. We're laughing. We're having fun. Yep. You do what you want. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the outro music because we're at 45, but we can maybe just continue this conversation in. That will upset Luke because Luke thinks that we should take a break and get in an entirely different headspace. Oh, we should? That's That's what he thinks. Because I like variety. Oh, we should have a completely different headspace for the next one. I don't want to hear more about Tissius. Okay, well, well, I guess we'll wait to be surprised about what the next part of the conversation is. Who knows what we're going to do, Carl? Uh, Hey, it was it was a good 
was it was it a good conversation or I do know. I just feel like it was? No, I think we answered everything for good. But honestly. was it but but my feelings about it, can I trust them? Are you having good feelings about the podcast? I am. And so is that bad? Do I need to repent? I think it's I think it's pretty good evidence that the spirit is moving. I kind of enjoyed myself <laughs> and that makes me feel guilty. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carl, that we had a great time. Sorry. <laughs> it is done. <laughs> Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.